0: The Spin-off Podcast Network.
1: Tallow for lover. I'm Madeline Chapman, editor at The Spin-off. If you have the means, consider supporting our high-quality journalism by becoming a Spin-off member. Sign up now at thespinoff.co.nz/donate.
0: You're listening to Business is Boring, a podcast that reckons it's anything but. Business is Boring is brought to you by Sparklab, offering inspiration and practical advice to help businesses find their edge. To hear more about Sparklab, including details about the latest events, workshops, and business tools, visit sparklab.co.nz. And now, here's your host, Simon Powell.
2: Kia Ora, Koto Katoa. Welcome to Business Is Boring. Pac Studio are one of New Zealand's most awarded and respected architecture studios, celebrated for their use of colour, their livable spaces, and the character of their developments. Last year, their beautiful project Waimataruru in the Coromandel won Here magazine House of the Year and the National Housing Gong at the New Zealand Architecture Awards. So they do great big projects but you're also likely to see work from them that takes a new look at what a cricket pavilion or house on the backyard could look like at full flight. We all see the hero images, but what does it take to be an architect? How is it to be the steward for the biggest, most stressful purchase most people will ever make? And how do you maintain and grow your style in partnership with your clients? To talk the process, the world of architecture and their journey, co-founders of Pack Studio, Aaron Patterson and Sirosh Muller. Join us now. Tēnā kōrāua. Nice to see you guys. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having us. Kia ora. Hey, so tell us about kind of what first got both of you interested in architecture.
1: Um, well, I, I never really wanted to be anything else. I remember being a five-year-old and wanting to be an architect. I was always drawing house plans as a kid and... Um, my parents had backgrounds in science and fine art um, and so it was kind of the middle ground of all of that and I think um, my father's best friend was an architect and so it was it was something that they were aware of and I was aware of from a really young age Um, and I I don't know if I've really ever wanted to do anything else. Uh, How about you Aaron? I
3: really enjoyed uh, drawing and especially technical drawings of trucks and axonometric. Uh, So I really got into that uh, and I like decorating my room. And uh, yeah, architecture was, you know, one option. And yeah, really, yeah, really wanted to uh, do that. What's the path into
2: architecture like? So to go from kind of being interested in Mm. buildings and houses and, and drawing things, it seems to be one of these things that people I know who have gone into it It takes about 35 years to actually start calling themselves an architect.
1: Mm, It's it's a long road. Um, So uh, the kind of traditional format um, is that you, uh, through high school, you take a wide variety of things that don't seem to be at all linked. And then um, you go to university for a a kind of five-year degree. Um, And then after that, there's a couple of years of practice before registration, if that's your path or... If you go through the university for even more time, um, you kind of take an academic route into architecture on that side. But it it takes ages is the the summary. And people seem to be architecting without being architects
2: for quite a while.
3: <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. I
2: yeah. did that for a while, for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm still doing that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> from, from the outside in, you're like, well, it looks like you're architecting because you're designing houses and stuff. You're like, oh, no, but there's a reason I'm not actually an architect yet.
1: Oh, there's, there's lots of ways of designing mm-hmm. stuff, mm-hmm. and I think um, that is kind of interesting as well. Um, you know, for, for actually years, I did loads of kind of um, installation art um, on the skirts of um, traditional architectural practice and that was um, something that I probably could have done with a fine art degree or no degree at all or Mm. any uh, any other qualification really Um, but because I had done kind of architectural training before I kind of came to it with that sort of background Um, but yeah it's a really wide um, profession that allows Mm. you to to kind of um, see the world and understand it spatially. Mm. And then everything else comes from that.
3: There's a lot of different types of architects. Like even in, within the field, there you, there's so many different types of spatial things you can do, whether it's like uh, different programs uh, like you know houses, hotels, multi-unit stuff, residential stuff like we mm. do. You can be an academic. Um, there's, yeah, there's just it's, it's a huge variety. You're really in the construction industry.
2: Yeah, and
3: how does one kind of what what's the path in to because
2: you two have set up your own um, studio and have your own kind of you know house flavor that you get to develop and stuff, mm-hmm. and there's so it's such an interesting space because it's your own taste and style, but you've kind of got to come up through houses with their own flavor already and stuff. So yeah, how do you how do you kind of like um come up through the ranks in architecture?
1: Um, Well, there's lots of ways of doing that too. I mean, the the super traditional model is that you go and work in an established practice, you learn the ropes and their kind of philosophy on everything. And and that's a process of kind of uh, almost an apprenticeship model. Um, And you learn heaps about how you should practice within the profession. And inevitably you learn about all of the things that you would do differently when you had your own shop. Um, And I think Aaron and I probably both been through that method um, yeah, to some degree I did, I did a
3: little bit I, I, I kind of set up my own practice um, pretty soon after finishing school mm. so there was a lot of trial and error that's for sure and I don't necessarily <laughs> recommend it uh, and there was a lot you know obviously just before the GFC and, and then suddenly it was all like carnage, carnage. so there's ages of not making much cash um, but I get that's helpful if you're young as well and you can, you can do that and just do as many side hustles as possible mm. you know little Alterations, letterboxes, I don't know, anything, installations, <laughs> you know, basement alts, yeah, lots yeah. of things like that, anything you, you, we could get our hands on. So y- you could then get a reputation and then after 10 years, hopefully some older architects die off and then you get the work. <laughs> 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 and
1: how, how did you two decide to set up studio together? Um, well, it was a kind of funny um, kind of, Time for both of us. Um, so I was just finishing my PhD, and I was utterly exhausted, and essentially wanted to return to practice. Um, and at that moment, Aaron came to me and said, "Hey, the university's um, advertising this um, job, and they've um, they've haven't been able to fill it because their job description is for someone who doesn't exist. It's this practitioner with ten years practice, uh, practice experience and a PhD by." Um, creative practice as well. Which he Uh, has. Ah. So, um, but between us, like Voltron, we had what was required. (laughs) So, um, Aaron's idea was that we team up and that we kind of go to the university and say, well, um, together we are what you're looking for. So, why don't we job share this thing? And at the same time, we would kind of fold our previous practices together um, and start pack. Um, And that that was – you know, that was a real challenge for me because I, I um, at that point was kind of tired of academia <laughs> and um, and um, I'm really kind of grateful that Aaron had the foresight to keep me in it um, and then also I just really enjoyed going back to practice and having all of that um, kind of um, I suppose a kind of different view into architecture again so that, um, I mean that's the kind of that's the formal story I mean realistically that conversation happened over a kebab on Queen Street yeah, <laughs> yeah.
3: and we had this sort of club thing where we kind of inv- uh, that we'd worked on together and we, we used to get a lot of academics and uh, other architects come and would all present quick fire our, our work and so we did that all all, all the way around yeah. before yeah so.
1: yeah I mean that that started with um, everyone coming down for a, a beer in my basement studio and we'd talk about projects that were like just kind of cooking up um and that uh, um i think that kind of proved to me at least that we were on the same page as designers yeah absolutely. um and then yeah and and we also just have a lot of fun together yeah. which i think is critical to running a practice together yeah. But
3: our university work kind of keeps us really fresh. We're always around like, uh, young, fluid minds that are really doing interesting and innovative things. Mm. And we get to do research and collaborate with um, uh, artists, sort of architects, and um, do exhibitions and installations. And so that's another uh part of our practice which is slightly different from PAC Studio but still keeps us doing things that we consider interesting so we've tried to carve a niche out for ourselves to be able to keep Mm. an academic side of our practice uh, up and running together with our professional practice as well and how those two things merge are quite unexpected sometimes and how they filter into each other is, is really interesting It's something that continues to interest us.
2: And like the reality of it all, right? Yeah. Because architecture is one of those really interesting spaces where everyone will have these kind of views from the outside of the perfect pictures and the yeah. you know the, the the projects and stuff. But it's also such a like relationship business and such a kind of like mm. t- tightrope walk between you know all of these different things and construction and 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 and, 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 and things that can be quite hard. Like, what does a good Process look like for you in working with a client to realize an idea?
1: Oh well, um, we kind of posed this question to ourselves when we started the practice as well, um, and where we kind of got to was that all of the all of the good things that can happen with a project start with really good listening at the start, um, and that too often architects start designing without that happening first. So we do a really long kind of briefing process where we'll make a, a kind of a document for the clients to work through a whole bunch of exercises and we just want to learn about them as people and their site and what why they actually want to do this thing. Um, and if we have a really strong understanding of what they want to achieve then the design becomes really personal and kind of unique and really enjoyable for us mm-hmm. as well. So I think that that process um if it starts in that way you you build the rapport with the the client and you understand what they really need um and then all of the other kind of bits kind of fall into place and it also um it's a kind of team sport yeah.
3: you know we're a really collaborative practice uh and that's something that we really uh through all our Teaching and and our studio is really based around like coming together, thinking about an idea deeply, and then finding a really interesting
1: solution. Yeah, and kind of leaning on each other's strengths yeah. as well. Like it, in our studio, we we have people who are um, kind of detailing maestros and people who great love drawers. doing yeah, but, but people who are technically incredible, people who represent projects well, people who have a great skill of kind of empathy with the whole. Um, kind of client and contractor team some people who are uh, great at um, solving problems on sites and everyone together again makes the process work mm. yeah. and mm. that thing
2: about really understanding up front is really interesting because it's one of those spaces where you, you know there's stuff in your heads and there's stuff in their heads mm-hmm. and the same words might not mean the same thing.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. And yeah, to yeah. each
2: of you, you know, oh, it's going to be, um, you know, intimate. And you're like, well, what does that mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Contemporary. What
1: does contemporary oh, The classic mean? one we get is, um, we'd like it to be really elegant. And you think, I, I, that means, everyone tells us that and they all mean a different thing. Yeah. So, I mean, we, we came up with this process that we called the project deep dive where we get them to work over all of these different kind of mind maps and other exercises and these images um and that kind of that gives us an understanding of what they mean by their um their language and that it also brings kind of um uh well, couples generally together on what they mean. Um, so a lot of the time, it's about getting them on the same page together, and then them telling us um, together what mm. they really want. So that because well.
3: everybody's lived in anyone who comes to you has, has lived in a house and and kind of thinks they understand it. And w- mm. we have ability to kind of provoke and 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 give other ideas, and you can see clients sometimes coming along and they, they come along for the ride and it sort of changes their story or, and and together we kind of make a story that kind of fits their house in the way they want to live and and it's it's often what makes a really good house is a really good story behind it mm. uh, and and that and and if you can write that down and define what that is uh, and look at it at the end of the project and still keep that uh as as the thing that you hold most dear to a project it's a really great thing to drive a project mm. uh, yeah, yeah that's such a nice way of looking at it and what kind of stuff would be in the story like
2: how it relates to the land or how they will live in it or the things they they want to be able to do on a sunday afternoon absolutely oh, yeah, it's yeah, it's, yeah it's
3: it's rhythmic it's about like how you live through the day like what what you do where you take shoes off what you, you know how, what the back doors like what the laundry's like like just the domestic way of living and sequence and things in in in, in, in a life and obviously also knowing like how the
1: house is orientated and stuff like that, and lots of yeah, but we're also looking for the odd <clears> bit, yeah, right? the odd bit. Like <laughs> yeah we're looking absolutely. for the kind of the the bit that's not in any of the other projects, and that generally comes from um the clients' um Telling us more about themselves, you yeah. Know, something
3: like they like, like doing. It's a garden.
1: that's a, a yeah. yeah they might have like, like a, a or... specific hobby or yeah. <laughs> you know. that's
3: always makes really great projects. Yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, we had an inquiry um, a little while ago from someone who was um, breeding orchids, um, and you know, wanted a space that had that. And then there was uh, you've know, had other people with um, very particular. Um, musical instruments like harpsichords and (laughs) and you go okay well what's a great room for a harpsichord Um, which which links you back to the the architects across time yeah Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) so there's like there's always something odd that we're searching for there's an
3: idiosyncratic bit in every job that makes it really excellent and fun and really personal too Mm. and so we try to find that a lot
1: and Mm. that
2: kind of personal thing you know understanding what you know, the couple are both interested in and mm. then your relationship with them. Like, it must be like kind of getting married, eh? Because it's like <laughs> a, about the domestic <laughs> space and you're going to spend five years, maybe longer, kind of interacting with these people. yeah. yeah. Oh, a lot of marriages don't last that long. <laughs>
3: you, you do. You get to know people really well, and you get to know what they're interested in, and and mm. sort of rooms that they like, and yeah, you know, understand their taste. Yeah. So you, re- it's a real privilege to get them, you know, sort of embedded with people, and then sort of it finishes. But we still have, we still go and see our clients, and you know, sometimes yeah. they invite us back to stay in the house. <laughs> and, yeah. And,
1: yeah. I mean, we, but they're it's really long-term different. relationships. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I think again starting from that point of listening helps inform that relationship and then you you also get a feel for um well, what their kind of ideas about this relationship will be you know some some clients want you to perform the task and then um kind of finish it and move on and others are really looking for this kind of long term partnership and we we you know we have clients who get in touch with us kind of once a year and tell us about their house and like yeah. you know, other people who, um, you know, a decade later will come back and tell you something about, um, oh, you know, we, we want to change this little bit. W- would you approve of that? <laughs> 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 and we're like, yeah, sure. So, like, we really enjoy the fact that they they kind of value that input. Um, yeah. And with things like. Grand designs
2: and you know the architecture <laughs> magazines and stuff. You know, there's there's a real funny shape in the culture around this kind of thing, and it's not something where, you, you know, um, most people I imagine would only do one architect designed house. It's not something mm. where people are like oh, practiced yeah. at it as clients. And there's all these kind of cultural things about, um, you know, budget and fear and stuff. It must be a really fraught experience for some, not not all projects, obviously, but for some projects with that much kind of riding
1: on things. Well, I think also when you look at things like Grand Designs, you've got to remember that they're choosing projects that are going to make good TV. Yeah. <laughs> might be <laughs> volatile. Yeah. Self-managed. Yeah. This looks like a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. right. Get the cameras. <laughs> well, you know, yeah, and I think people forget also yeah. that part of the role of the architect through the build process is to outsource all of the stress from this actually quite stressful thing if you're yeah, a layman. You do it day in, day out. Yeah, you, and you outsource it to someone who does it every day, who knows where all the pitfalls are and doesn't find it stressful so can make kind of cool decisions about it. Um and then it's not quite as volatile, <laughs> but that doesn't make good TV, right? So <laughs> you um I think there is this kind of um gap between um what might be happening regularly on projects that aren't seen and the ones that are seen um being um a bit more rocky. <laughs> mm.
2: Yeah, I um I used to do a bit of writing for Herbists. So ago. did we.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and um I, I spoke to one architect who was very funny and kind of, you know, off the record said, um you know, the hardest one is when it's been a really difficult project and things, for whatever reasons, haven't gone out of way. And then you've got to go in and get the nice photos at the end. <laughs> yeah. And he's, he's, he was like, and so just out of shot of this perfect thing is the owner of the house who's a bit grumpy with all of their possessions that you've moved out because you don't want them in the shot. And you've got these art-directed beautiful pieces. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> just yeah. To the, just to the left of frame. Yeah. The person with all the things they own. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <It's> a, <laughs> yeah, I mean... We've only ever had that really once, and probably ironically, the client was a was actually a former editor of Urbus. Um, so, and so he kind of realized how funny that was um, to finally be on the other side of it. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, I, th- I mean, most of our clients have these kind of really um interesting collections, and like mm-hmm. you know the house is designed around them, so it yeah. tends to be mostly just their stuff.
3: Mm-hmm. But we're not above um, photoshopping out a rogue um, sky dish or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, love it. And we'll be back with Aaron and Sarosh to talk the creative
2: process and winning heaps of things, including Best House of 2022. Spark is proud to partner with the Sustainable Business Network and the Climate Action Toolbox. The free Climate Action Toolbox can provide you with simple step-by-step guides to measure and reduce your emissions. Help lead the way to a low-carbon future for New Zealand. Visit sparklab.co.nz forward slash sustainability to find out more.
0: Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto. Jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today.
2: Hōki mai anō, we're back with Aaron Patterson and Sirosh Muller. Of Pack Studio. So, what makes a project like a
1: Pack project? Fun, yeah. I think. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely um, fun. Yeah. Colourful. Um, yeah, it's kind of colourful and fun and personal. And um, I mean, none of our projects really look alike. Um, every house is really different. Um, and that's, that's um, something that we're really proud of. Um, and it I guess within all of that, there's always something that we find is really fun and we, we want the clients to be super happy when they um, are in their house. So I, I think that's what we strive for anyway. Hmm.
2: What are some standouts? Like, What are some examples of the way that you've brought that fun into a project?
1: Um, well, I always return to the little cricket club we did up mm-hmm. in Point Wells Um and that that thing is just joyous, you know. I mean, it's got Crick- flags, you can't yeah. put a building without <laughs> a flag. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, it's a sort of bright red little pavilion. Um, and, you know, cricket's a wonderfully absurd game. Um, and the building's the same. And it's got these big custom-made flags on these oversized poles. And um, the whole thing's just um, just a bit absurd. And I really enjoy that. You can't help but be happy when you're in that building. And the the same with um, other kind of private houses. Um, we did one actually down the road from that in Point Wells um, called Crinkle Cut last year as well, and that that is um, super fun to be in. It's like yes, it's you know,
3: slightly pink and yeah. all wrapped around beautiful gardens and. Uh, Verandah and just a really lovely, breezy house to be in. Yeah. And it's on a corner, so you, neighbors always walk past and you can hear them talking about the house, whether they like it or don't like it. <laughs> 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 but it's really, it's just a really like joyous and fun house and light filled. Yeah. Really you feel there.
1: like you're on holidays and yeah. you to step through the door there. And what's it
2: like working on things that, um, you, you know, once you're talking about them and they're photographed and they're out in the world, they might be something you were working on years ago, right? What What's it like to have kind of, you, you know, your current um, profile be things that you were kind of like cracking the nut on five years ago?
3: <laughs> it's true. It, it really is. Uh, but you, it's, it's a, definitely a learning process. So those things that you learn get... Reinvented. Nothing dra- dies on the drawing board. You can do a lot of sketches for a project that don't eventuate, and th- but they're still there. They're in your sketchbook. They're, they they kind of you know percolate through through the practice and appear in other projects. Some some other hand will pick it up and run with it uh, with with it. Mm.
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, it's so the nature of the business that um, things take time. Yeah. Um, that you kind of you don't really. Uh, think about it um, that it's just it's just it's just natural that things take years to surface and sometimes when something gets published you have to go oh yeah I remember that one <laughs> yeah.
2: there's a real similarity to other artistic forms like you know you talk to musicians and they're mm. you know out kind of like touring an album and yeah. they're like, "Oh well, this is what I was, this is where I was four years ago." Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> we don't have
1: crowds turning up to see us, so people going, "Yay!" <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, but that lag is kind of good as well because sometimes when you finish a project, it takes time to kind of look back on it and understand what kind of happened, what what came out. Because even though it takes a couple of years, it can be a really intense um, process. Mm. Um, so you need some time to reflect to figure it out. And tell me
2: about your kind of standout year last year with winning House of the Year with Here Magazine and the housing, National Housing Gong at the New Zealand Architecture Awards. Like, that's the that's the dream, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's <laughs> it was pretty good. It was a good year, yeah. yeah. Um, and I mean... Uh, uh, Aaron's won um, national housing awards before, but it was the first time that um, I've kind of gotten to that level, and it was yeah, it was really special. Um, and also to kind of um, to kind of be recognised amongst people that you um, really respect, who have been practicing for a long time and do really great work and all of that sort of stuff. Um, so the, yeah, that was it was fantastic, and it was also interesting because the um, you know. The house that won um, House of the Year, Wai That that was a really important house for us in terms of a whole range of things in the practice. Not necessarily just the kind of design of it, but in how we approach um, a whole range of other issues around sustainability. Um, because it came along at the same time as we were really getting more... Um, uh, well, more skilled but also the ability to um, simulate more in terms of the way that carbon and energy is used in our projects and so now for instance um, on any house that we do whether it's a small renovation or a brand new house we'll model every part of it and assign carbon values to every material and so we can say how much carbon is in the design at any point in the process and then we can use that information to reduce the amount of carbon not only in the build but in the what we think of as a minimum lifespan of 100 years and that's that's incredible because previously you would do all that sort of stuff uh, as a rule of thumb you know using kind of textbooks from the 1970s mm-hmm. and now it's all calculated and, and get a figure yeah and yeah. Th- that's really been great um, and that was really the first project where we were able to do that. I mean we were designing high performance houses for a long time before that, but it was the first one where we could say, well this is these are the numbers. And now you know we get to a point where we can say, we don't think you should use that material because we can do it with this other material and we can halve the amount of carbon and that that makes the decisions really easy with the clients. and at the end of the process, any kind of residual carbon, we can then look at um, offsetting in a really particular way using the, the kind of gold standard of um, carbon credits with a native eco-sanctuary that we work with a lot in Gisborne that's from by Damien Salmond. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's been great. And it, through that process, we've also taken our practice carbon positive. Um, so lots of kind of things flowed on from that moment last year.
2: Mm. Yeah, and architecture is one of those spaces that... Sets the running for the rest of the construction industry, right? So the things that you're pioneering in a one one on one kind of scale at the mm-hmm. moment mm. end up filtering through to bigger developments and bigger
1: approaches. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, and I mean there's a there's a bit of a time lag for it to get to the the kind of the mass market mm. but at the same time, it's something that um we think that everyone should be doing.
3: yeah, and the know? industry needs to change and embrace been able to calculate um, the amount of
1: carbon construction yeah. takes. And even the, the offsetting, you know, where we weren't really interested in using kind of um, monocultural pine plantations as our credits. So we set up this whole way of um, getting a native credit for a place that we could, um, well, that we knew well and was doing all of the kind of right things around the planting. In terms of biodiversity and education, all sorts of other stuff. Um, And now we've set that up as a process that any other architecture practice can take up as well. Hmm. So we just think that everyone should be doing it. Um, Yeah, that's great.
2: As, um, yeah, planting monocultural pine forests, soil erosion, bad for climate resiliency, uh, like Mm. terrible for
0: biodiversity
2: of (laughs) like flora (laughs) and fauna, just awful.
1: Yeah, I mean, and this we can be doing it in so much better way. Um, and we knew um, Anne and um, Jeremy um, well. Um, my PhD project was actually um, on the eco sanctuary that they had established in Gisborne, and so I, I knew what they were doing there, and that the fact that all of the plants that they're putting in the ground will never be felled, and the, you know, there's legal protection around how that happens, and mm. you know. All of that stuff that they do around riparian restoration and the biodiversity and, you know, they bring school kids up to the eco-sanctuary and they do a whole bunch of other educational things. It was important to us that if we were going to buy carbon credits, it was going to be in a place like that where we could verify that it was actually doing the job.
3: It's not an abstract credit. It's a tangible thing. Yeah. So,
1: you know, we calculate the carbon of the practice then we purchase our credits um through the exchange at the market value f- from there and then we can go and seed the trees <laughs> so it's you know it's, it's not this kind of um uh well it's not kind of a virtue signaling sort of mm-hmm. thing we just want the, the trees in the ground to make the actual difference
2: and a nice um link to what you're doing as well when you have you know, a very real physical relationship with the land Mm. is part of what you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Every time
1: you do a project, you see these packets of timber turn up. Oh, yeah. And you just think, okay, well, I've got to find a way of making enough timber so that the next project we do, we don't don't feel like we're going negative again. Mm.
2: And tell us about kind of the special things about the project and the space that made that project, you know, so successful.
3: Oh, carefully selected timbers definitely <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah i mean it's it's a building that uses um engineered timber construction um mm. and so we were kind of really conscious of trying to do as much as possible in timber um again to reduce the amount of carbon it's got a high a very very high performance envelope um mm. um to a kind of passive house standard um and it's essentially off grid um so you know when the Um, terrible weather at the start of the year um, rolled through and there were cyclones and all of that Um, we got in touch with all of our clients to see how the houses had fared and everyone was fine and um, those clients um, said to us oh yeah totally fine we've got power everything's fine here the house was like a rock in the storm and and that was was hugely satisfying yeah Um, so I think a lot of it was that we knew that we could design a, a very beautiful house on a achingly beautiful sight yeah that's never the problem (laughs) that's never the issue yeah Yeah. it's more about well how can you do that in a way where it's really sustainable it's technically um the absolute gold standard and then the kind of beauty of it is just the cherry on top yeah Uh,
2: and if those are the kind of things you were thinking about a few years ago what are you thinking about now, and what does the platform of these kind of recognition,
3: uh, this kind of recognition, allow you to do next? We're, we're really keen to do multi-unit housing. Take the, the learning we've got from doing really well-crafted um, single houses and, and apply that knowledge to multi-unit developments, be it townhouses or apartments or communal living, anything like that. Um, we've done a lot of schemes, but none of them have actually got built yet. But we're really keen to push into that space. Um, anything with a bed is usually our motto. <laughs> 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 but that's a really interesting space for us to get into. Yeah, yeah, and you can make so much impact there on the way people actually live and cities operate, right? We think so. Yeah, we're really big big into um, density and densifying our cities and stop making them donuts. <laughs> like, have, you know, being building close to transport and we're really interested in that as an idea and we can definitely see that Places like Auckland can really develop in a really interesting way.
2: Mm. Yeah, and what advice would you have for people who are wanting to create a business and practice that brings together your own creativity and your own style, but also being able to, you know, do things that people want to <laughs> partner with <laughs> you with and commission you to do?
1: Um, I I think it's partly um, about just willing your projects into existence. Yeah. So just just deciding what you want to do and doing it. Um, and that there'll always be a way of achieving what you want to do if you've got a clear idea about mm. what that is.
3: And finding the people around you that can help. I mean, architecture mm. is a very, very collaborative process. Mm. So you, it, it's, it's often about positioning yourself around people who can help you make the thing that you're trying to make. So you know we you know these jazz hands can't build. He can. He he he's a <laughs> He can build, but these don't yeah, these don't work. Um, so you always need someone to collaborate with. So it's just getting those contacts and understanding those people that can actually make the thing in your head that you've drawn a re- reality, and that's a, it's, a, it's a force of will often. And you have to push and push and push. And it does take a very long time, especially if it's, if it's good. Mm, but, there's
1: a kind of stubbornness that you require. Yeah, required. we've all got that yeah. definitely in our practice. Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> and what will success be for you too personally, but also for the studio?
1: Well, for me, I think success in the projects would be um, for all of our work to be seen as um, kind of excellent design, really fun and really sustainable. Mm. And if we can achieve that in every project, that's success to me. Um, and I mm. think that that relationship between practice and academia being um, symbiotic is really important to me as well, because I think it it makes all of the work richer. So yeah, I think m- more of the same. And, and ag- again, trying to do more in that multi-unit space to kind of um, multiply the impact of the projects.
2: Yeah. Awesome yeah. well thank you so much for coming and sharing your story so far. That's Aaron Patterson and Sirosh Muller of Pac Studio.
1: Kilda.
3: Thanks very much Joda thank you.
2: Thank you so much to Sirosh and Aaron to you for listening and to everyone who helps make this happen like our producer Samuel Robinson. Do follow businesses boring wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to rate and leave a review if you like what we do. E no hora.
0: From the Spin Off Podcast Network, that was Business is Boring. Brought to you by Spark Lab. Make sure you're following Business is Boring wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information on Spark Lab, visit sparklab.co.nz.
1: Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment?